0: Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez.
1: All right, welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. I'm here with Brad today. And on today's episode, we are gonna be talking about the question we get from prospects, quite frequently why should i hire you why should i hire you and not the competition so we're going to spend a lot of time tossing this back and forth brad's got some great opinions great experience with this question what makes brad and his firm and his his process his service model what makes it so attractive and and how does he how does he explain that to prospective clients is really what it comes down to. I'm going to share my insights as well. But f- before we get into our discussion today, I wanted to remind listeners to check out our website, thefaedge.com. And if you haven't already, we have over 150 members of our private Facebook uh, community, the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast. Find us on Facebook. Join us there. It's a f- uh, private Facebook community. Of nothing but fantastic financial advisors there to learn from each other as a community. So join our podcast community there. So Brad, let's let's talk about this. Somebody asked you. Let's say this prospect is in a meeting. It's your intro meeting, and let's let's say it's it's Nancy and Bob sitting across from you, and they said, Brad, why should we hire you? We're here today. We're interviewing advisors. What makes you special? What what can you offer us that no one else can?
2: Well, Greg, first off, I don't know what's going on, but I've noticed in the last couple episodes you must have cut Karen loose because you no longer use her as an example. So wherever she is now, I'm not sure if you transferred out, died. I don't know, but I, I'm sorry, whatever happened there. Um, so <laughs> we, we to,
1: try yeah. to keep the we try to keep the Karen's out of our what Brad, what's the um what's the male version of the Karen that they came out with? Do you know the uh, name?
2: I don't know. For a long time I honestly thought it was Brad. I don't know if it is <laughs>
1: I hope it's but not. they did. They came out with like I a uh, like a Karen for for men. Maybe uh, Jim or Jeff would know, but uh, I, I <laughs> actually do have some some Karens as clients, but uh, but they're all nice actually. Yeah, I was about uh, to say so
2: do I. They're all very pleasant women. I I'm not sure how that name got tagged like that, but that's unfortunate. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. So. So we're sitting there and this question, Greg, you think this question is on that list for anybody that's listening. I'm sure you've had the prospect come in that they printed the list from Yahoo Finance or Google Finance or some website somewhere that said, 10 questions you should ask a financial advisor. That's where this one comes from. You get that too, Greg?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've had them actually print off the list. Um, and and some of them have like a binder or a folder and some of them have like, uh, come in with a yellow legal pad and they'll have their questions pre-written out and, and that sometimes that's one of them. But for those pre-printed lists, you know, they're Googling 10 questions to, to ask a a new financial advisor. This is always on there. Why should I hire you? What makes you so special from the competition?
2: Yep. And it's usually this one, uh, it's either this one or are you a fiduciary or, or either first or second. Yeah. Um, and I think that we've touched on the fiduciary one in the past. If not, we can do an episode on it. But we're, so you're sitting down with a prospect and you're, you're the first question that they ask you is why should I hire you? My response, by the way, you said earlier, also, we have some great opinions on this. We have some opinions on this. I don't know how great they are, but we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> my, my answer to that question is, Uh, Just look them dead in the eye and just say, I'm not so sure that you should yet, but that's what we're here to find out. And that's also the truth. Yeah. Uh, But what I'm trying to establish with that question and how I'll elaborate from there, you can put your own particular spin on this concept is I want them to know in, by the way, this is for a particular type of prospect. There are certainly lots of prospects that come in and, you know, this has been on their mind and they're so happy to just find out they can afford a financial advisor They thought they didn't have enough money or they were referred. This doesn't apply to everyone. This is for the person that comes in with their list of questions, ready to screen you out. Right. And what I'm trying to do with that response is to gently let them know, I'm not here to sell them at all costs. I'm not going to tell them what they want to hear. I don't have a bunch of fancy brochures. I'm not here to do whatever it possibly takes to win their business from a sales perspective. We're interviewing each other to see if we would mutually be a good fit to work together, right? I wanna take the power back or some degree of power back to let them know, no, 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 no. This is not the way it's gonna work. It's not you trying to see if you can find a way to not hire me. We're both talking to see if we would be a good fit to work with each other. And that is the truth because at a certain stage of the game, you move past that, if they fog a mirror, I'm gonna take them as a client as your practice matures you are going to want to work with people that fit well with your personality and and with the way that you run your business. So that's how I answer that question and how I carry the conversation from there and I explain it that way. Yeah. You know, we want to, you know, we want to enjoy working with each other. This is an emotional topic for a lot of people. It's very important. We are absolutely interviewing each other. This is not a one-way interview, I promise.
1: Yeah, uh and and I will you know we have talked, we have uh, had these conversations on the podcast when When I'm setting up a new prospect meeting, people are asking, what should I bring to the meeting? Where, where is your office located? That kind of thing. and And I, I let them know up front, and I'm sure Brad, you do as well. Hey, this is what we call uh, our discovery meeting or introduction introduction meeting, where we're trying to get a sense of wh- you're trying to understand what our services are, what we specialize in. And and what the cost of working with us on an ongoing basis would be, we're trying to get a good understanding of your current financial situation, what your goals are, all those kinds of things, and and during this introduction meeting, we're trying to see if there's a good fit here. If uh, Brad, you called it a um, mutually beneficial relationship, if that might exist, and if it does, well, then it may warrant. A follow up meeting after that point, or option B is we might discover there's not a mutually beneficial fit there. And at that point, maybe I'll be able to refer you to another person that, that might be better suited. Are you okay with that? And then, there, you know, that's what I'll, I'll say something like that along those lines. And th- kind of the pressure is off. Yep. Or, because I, I've kind of said to them, hey, if it's, if I, Determine or you determine that it's not a good fit. Hey, we we part as friends. Everything's okay. They're, I think they're used to, and maybe Brad, you can you can comment on this. They're used to being sold in, in our business. We we have one of those stig- Our business is one of those industries that has a stigma behind it of uh, we're salespeople trying to that. trying to pitch some kind of investment product. As you were
2: talking, it it absolutely giving them that out. To let them know, it takes the pressure off a little bit, I think. And I, when you were saying we just have that um, reputation as an industry, we do. It's probably well deserved. But I, as you were talking, I was trying to put myself in like the car in a car dealership setting, yeah. and think of how I would feel if you know if the if one of the first things that you know a car salesman said to me was, you know, well, you know, let's go take a look at the Hondas on the lot and see if you know if a if Honda is the right brand for you. You know if it's not, um, you know, I have a buddy that uh works at at Audi or Hyundai or whoever, and I'll get you in the right place if, if Honda ends up if it doesn't look like that's going to fit for you. That would be a very unique thing to hear, I think, at a when shopping for a car. And for me, that would be like, oh, cool, I'm not about to get you know the Honda brochure jammed down my throat, and it, it's definitely going to set you apart, uh, for one. And I think it also lets them, uh, it delivers the message that you are, that you take this seriously and you do not, even though we are in a sales profession and it's seen that way, um, we don't treat it like that. You're letting them know you treat this like the professionals that we like to be. Well, let's face it. We all like to use examples and be like, well, would your doctor do this? Or would your accountant do that? Um, it just kind of more aligns us with a with that type of professional rather than a sales professional, I think.
1: Yeah. That that's that's a great thought. It's but because people, I I think, and especially if they have never met with a financial advisor before, uh, or or don't have much experience with it, that's why they're they're maybe googling those questions because they they feel like they got to do something right ahead ahead to prepare for the meeting, but kind of having a and I think people can tell and, and there's a lot of studies out there i think there's a, a book um by like Ma- Malcolm gladwell that it's called blink where people people make up their mind about you in like the first 10 seconds or under 10 seconds something like that uh, yeah. so perception is you know um they don't even have to speak to you they've already they're already making their mind up about you um but it is a very Let's talk about what someone, what our competition would say that's not as seasoned as us. You know, and what I might have done in in the very early years in this business. If someone says, why should I hire you? I would start saying, well, I have a master's degree in finance. I have, I'm a CFP. I've got this. I got a great team behind me. I'm with, you know, XYZ broker dealer. It's, you know, so-and-so great. Look at these awards on the wall. Um, all you're trying to wow people with like credentials and things. I, I, I think that's what people, and, and what it comes down to is look at how great I am. Like that's supposed to impress people.
2: Leads to you talking about yourself, which is what we don't want to occur in a prospect meeting.
1: Yes, exactly. So if you're doing that, if you're a listener out there and you're talking about me, 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 that's not the way to impress people. I made that mistake in the past. I'm just as guilty as anybody else. Um, people, I, I have the CFP people don't know what that is. So I'm, right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, use that and say, oh, because I have this de- designation, I went to this school, I graduated with honors or, or whatever it is. Yeah. People want to know how we can help them with what they're dealing with. So, okay. so in, in Brad, and we have talked about his business and kind of his specialty. Um, so, so I, I think a better way to go about it is, it is just like, like Brad suggested, I don't know if we're yet a good fit. Let's have a conversation today to kind of see where you're at, what you're looking for help with, where you think you might be missing the mark. And then I'll be kind of I'll be happy to kind of explain our process, our, our business, our service model, and how we help our current clients achieve the goals with what they're looking for. And so they might start off. Let's say it's it's uh, what did I say? Nancy and, and Bob, or whatever it was, Brad. Let's say Nancy well. says, uh, "You know, I'm a teacher. I'm going to be retiring in three years." Bob here, he's already retired. He was a teacher at you know blah 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 elementary. Um, that couple, when they hear that Brad's specialty, his niche, if you will, is helping teachers plan for a successful retirement they're going to think, wow, I'm in the right spot. Sure. And so all Brad has to kind of say is, hey, well, this, this is what I do. Um, this is who I specialize in, in working with. These are the types of people. And I would use people just like you. Yep. Just We've talked about that on many, many episodes. And I have actually utilized that uh, in uh, prospective client meetings. So. Sure.
2: And you know what Greg <clears throat> in in getting so for one answering the question in that way our goal in how you answer this question I think for both of us is is disarming them from the expectation that they are walking into a sales presentation because the type of prospect we're talking about that came with the list from Yahoo Finance that is what they are expecting that's why they were googling that list in the first place because they are getting ready to be you know, assaulted in the, in the, on the, in the dealer lot while they're just trying to see if they really like the accord or not. Right. So step one is disarm them from feeling like they need to be defensive so we can have a conversation. We're just having a conversation. Then, like you mentioned, when am I going to learn that Nancy is a teacher or that, you know, Bob works for name, whatever company, right. I'm going to learn that stuff as they're talking. Not me talking. And Nancy's going to value in your scenario a lot more that I've retired more than 200 teachers than she will that I have a master's in finance. Right. So I'm not just trying to throw that at her within five minutes of meeting her. I want to get us into a disarmed, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. right. I just mean, look, can we just have a conversation? that's all we're doing and get them in that mindset and let them know that that's that's what's happening and that's the point by the way i do want to point this out my response of i'm not i'm not sure uh if we should just so that no one runs with this and thinking like i heard this on internet this is going to work for me i just let you guys know it does it does work for me you will lose a certain personality type by responding that way I right. think, with no matter how you answer any question, you're gonna you're going automatically snag and automatically remove certain people from the discussion. And I think the person that has that that ego um that wants to be chased, uh, I don't know that this response is going to work that well in acquiring their business, but that's okay for me. I don't want that person in my book of business so i just want to put that out there that and probably that stands for a lot of the things we talk about on the podcast right for one they work for us and they can work for you but you also may want to put your own spin or or massage it in a way that works better for your personality your client base we're not saying any of this is a magic bullet it's just saying what we do take from it what you will and make it your own if you would like so i want to throw that out there some people that that came to your office wanting their ego stroked by the financial advisor that wants their money and make them feel that special that response is probably not going to appeal to them
1: but you know but it it also like you said it also disarms them and also kind of hopefully your your point here is to to get them at ease and say hey what i'm hoping to accomplish in this time together today is to get a better understanding of your situation Yep, and 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 what's missing there, and what you're looking to accomplish, and how you know if we were to d- decide that or you know determine that it's going to be a good fit working working together on going, how I might be able to help you accomplish those goals. Yep, and what you'll also find is as these people start talking, this nice couple Nancy and Bob, you might determine that hey, there's good there's some red flags. And if it, and and this is where Brad's approach is better because it 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 lays he Brad lays it out up front, saying, Hey, I'm I I don't know if if it's gonna be a good fit. I don't know if I'm if you should hire me yet. I'm hoping to understand if if there is a good fit. If you've already committed saying, I'm the guy, I'm the you know, you should hire, I do this, I do that, you're you're almost obligated to take them on as a client. So if if you kind of as you're kind of having your conversation and getting to know Nancy and Bob, if there's some red flags going off, and, and I have meetings like this, Brad has meetings like this, you might be able to start determining some kind of strategy in your head saying, Hey, you know, based based on X, Y, and Z, what you've said today, I just I honestly don't think there's a good fit with me. However, I can refer you to a person who's who's more suitable. And and Brad, I'm sure we could have a whole episode on, and and maybe uh, Jim jumping on that, and Jeff as well, of people who throw up these red flags that just are like screaming, "Hey, I'm going to make a terrible client here." Absolutely. This. Oh boy, um, we
2: should
1: have an
2: episode on that.
1: I and I I've had those meetings just, and and once once they start going off, um, boy, it's uh, I I. I <laughs>
2: so so one thing i want to say about this approach and i think oh, by the way i didn't do this by design it just i'm i think about this retrospectively <laughs> it's not why i do it um all this what this does in getting them into more of a conversation than being pitched it's just human nature the more they get to talk about themselves and the longer they are in a discussion with you unless your personality is such that you're just a Not likable person, your odds are going with every 15 minute increment that they are sitting in front of you, preferably with them doing most of the talking. Your odds of making them a client if you want them go way, way up. You know, just think about it. You can even ask for much of a commitment, but you get through you know, two meetings, right? Two full discovery meetings and talking and wherever the meeting goes. They spent two solid hours, two to three solid hours with, you know, with chit chat before and after. They're going to have a sense of liking you and like almost like they're already working with you. So the more that you get them to open up and talk, the more you're subconsciously cementing a relationship with them in the first place, and, I think. And
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on that, and and I have mentioned on our Facebook community uh, when I learn to ask better questions to people asking yep. about their kids, because that I, I would argue that uh, you know they're with the people that I work with they care more about their adult children and than they do their own retirement plan. So, but asking those kinds of questions, you know, Hey, tell me about your, your son and daughter. Are they, have they graduated college? Have they started their first job? W- where are they at? You know, but asking those very, um, open-ended questions like that, I think it has won me more business, more points with people because what it shows is how much I care Yeah. So if we're, if, if we're going to have, and if they, you know, I've had a couple of people say, wow, we're, these are some good questions. No one's ever asked me questions like this. What I can say is, hey, I, I'm trying to provide my my best advice and guidance for you. And unless I know the full picture, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to. You're going to get half-assed advice, right? So, right. so the the better I understand you in, in your complete situation, the better the end result's going to be. The outcome's going to be. And I think people, like, like Brad said, they love talking about themselves. They're, they're, they're uh, it, and, and you'll even get it if, if you say, uh, oh, I, I drive a, a Honda, you know, yada, yada. They'll say, oh, I bought a Honda. In fact, my Honda, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. right. They just take the story from there because they love talking about themselves. So that's the other thing in that prospect meeting. And and maybe we should have an episode just on that. If if we haven't already but there needs to be, if anybody is, is taking the Sandler sales training, it, it does tell you that you need to talk 30% of the time, let the other person, your, your prospect, talk 70% of the time. At least. At least. Oh, yeah. At if it least. were 80-20, that'd be even better.
2: Yeah. Greg, some of my, I don't, I don't know if you're similar to me, but some of the most common questions that I ask people will be like, even existing clients, when they come in to, to add money for something, what's the money for? Just that simple, but what's the money for? And you know the responder, even if, and if they ask, if they ask, you know, why, they they don't generally, at least they don't ask it that blatantly. Like, and you get a perfect opportunity to explain, you know, different goals have different investment strategies, or maybe not invest at all. And I I will throw that in at times also if I get the chance. You know, and let's say they're like, because I've gotten this, but like, what's the money for? And they'll be like, um, well. You know we're saving up to for down payment on a house that's a common one i get because i work yeah. i have a lot of younger clients right or we're saving up for blank for next the next year or two and i'll tell them and i'm just like that's not investment money they're not investment dollars and you know and i'm going explain why you know and we all know this right we can't predict the market in that short of a time frame and you know the last thing we want is you're saving for down payment on a house for a year or two from now The market tanks 10 months from now. And all of a sudden we thought you had the down payment on a $300,000 house. And now you don't. Right. And almost kind of explaining your reasoning, why you're, you're asking them is like, you're looking out for them and you're telling, I'm telling you in that scenario, like I may not, I appreciate you wanting to give me more business or your business at all. And I'm telling you that if it's not right for you, I won't take it. What's that doing for someone without me having to say, I'm so trustworthy. Look, I have an AIF designation. I'm an accredited fiduciary or I'm an, I I'm an RIA. I am a fiduciary. What says more to someone that they can trust you by them saying they know you're getting paid when they give you money and being right. like, I don't know if I can take that money. Cause I don't think it'll be right for you. Right. What's the money for is, is, is one of the simplest questions I ask that sparks all kinds of conversations. And it kind of reminds me, um, and just saying things like this, the theme of this is disarming people and getting them to talk. I watched this YouTube video of, uh, I'm into motorcycles, and I watched this video where this uh, this vlogger did an experiment where he went to a bunch of motorcycle dealerships pretending to be buying his first bike. And he would go around and he would look at all the 1,000cc liter bikes, the, the legit race bikes, 200 mile an hour, like anybody that rides motorcycles knows these are absolute rip the skin off of your face type of bikes. Absolutely not for a person with no experience, right? There's two types of salespeople you might run into. Oh man, here's this young guy in here looking for a crotch rocket and I can sell him one and I can get paid. And that's probably a very common response. Right. Right. But the ones that stick out in this video are the ones that get the sales guy that is like, asking them what's your you're looking at a you're looking at a leader bike um you know what what do you ride now what do you ride now and that's when they'll, they'll say like oh this will be my first bike and then the person in these videos goes and explains why listen this bike weighs 400 pounds and has 200 horsepower your car weighs 10 times that it has the same horsepower you're going to die let's go <laughs> over here right and look at these 400 cc starter bikes and explain why this the what's the money for question is the same thing if someone comes into me and says uh you know this is down payment money for our first house two years you know the next year or two don't buy a crash rocket with that money that's not vanguard growth index or growth fund of america money that's one year no penalty or flex cd money right and i think doing that you don't even have to say hey i'm looking out for you here they usually get it what you're doing. And that's what most people want to know. And once they know you are looking out for their goal to happen and what's best for them, they don't care what the standard deviation of your, your portfolio is or how much alpha it's generated or whatever else. They will get. You want to get them to the point where they have hired you. We've talked about this before. I have a leaky sink. I call a plumber. I don't want them to explain why they are using PECs piping instead of copper or any of this other stuff. I want to know I've hired a competent, trustworthy plumber who will fix my pipes and I won't be swimming in my living room. And that is all I want to know. That's where we want to get ourselves in the relationship with our clients. And that's what these conversations are trying to do. Don't let them get on a 200 horsepower leader bike when you know they are going to plant it squarely into a tree at 180 miles an hour.
1: But it all comes back to asking questions and getting an understanding of, of why what they're doing, what they're looking for, so you can help guide them. I had a one of my favorite clients I, I like working with. He said, Greg, you know, when we hired you, I trusted you from the first meeting. And I said, Oh, well, what the hell did I say in the first meeting? <laughs> <laughs> he said it's it's not anything you said. He said, uh, he said, I said we were not happy with our 401ks. The performance is terrible. And we'd rather invest with you, with an advisor. What kind of returns can you get us? Get, you know, what portfolio would you put together? Yada, yada. He said, All the other advisors were showing us performance, 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 like back tested. He said, but you ask us about our 401ks. And none of the other ones did. And and I go, Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And he said, you asked us about our match in our 401ks and what it was. And then you suggested, don't invest the money with me. Invest the money in your 401k where you can get a match with those dollars. And all the other advisors we interviewed said, Oh yeah, th- this is what we can. And didn't even ask about the match. Didn't even you know, recommend, hey, keep your money. And then we maybe make uh, you know, some some changes to the the allocation in the 401k and and you offered to look at that. But I just remember that. And it was just all because it's just natural, just asking. Uh but but you have to do that. You can't be so eager to get the business. You know, me, 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 this is this is how great I am. Look at me. It's not about you. It, it's about, it's about the client. So yep. and and what they're what they're going to remember is they walk away from a meeting with Brad and and Nancy and Bob are driving home. They're not going to be talking about performance that you showed them on some chart. They're not going to be talking about upside capture, downside capture, standard deviation, any of that crap, alpha, beta, what any any investment product literature that you sent them home with or an illustration. They're going to be talking about Nancy's going to turn to Bob and say, What did you think of Brad? Yep. And Bob's going to say, Well, he really seemed to care uh, you know, about your and, and be knowledgeable about your pension. And he was asking about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then he was, uh, you know, he grew up where we grew up in the same town, even. Those are the kinds of things. They're going to be, what did you think about Brad? And and Nancy would say, yeah, he did ask a lot of good questions, and I think that's somebody that I can trust.
2: Yeah, Greg, a lot of stuff as I'm thinking about this. Just my answer to the initial question: I've always known this. I probably talk, I talk the performance I talk about. Ninety percent of the time that I talk about performance, I'm talking about negative performance, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know if that goes along with my in. It, them subconsciously realizing that I'm trying to look out for them. But and I tell them this, I'm like, look, I'm not a pessimistic person, right? I I tell them I'm going to I'm going to lowball the returns in our planning projections because if they have more money than we planned on when they retire, that's okay with me. But promising something that may not happen and then they're 65 years old and don't have enough money, that's a scenario we can't be in. I look at downside Right. And say, you know, when we when at the appropriate time, we get there. I'm looking. I'm not showing an the upside. I'm showing them the downside so that we can walk through the conversation of being like, here's how we've managed through it. Now you talk to me. What what are your feelings? What are your thoughts? Right. <clears throat> and talking about how we'll deal with that in a bucket approach and whatnot. But but I want to set to them, I say it almost every meeting when performance comes up, you know, these years are going to happen absolutely are going to happen. And we need to be able to stick with the plan that we're laying out and take the actions I'm telling you we will and not bail out. Because if we bail out, you know, you lose 20% or 30%, whatever the number is, and then bail on the plan. And we took too much risk and you want to go to something conservative, how long does it take us to get 20% back when we're only earning four in something safe? We're going to spend a half a decade just getting your money back. That scenario is the number one scenario that we need to avoid not taking too much risk at the outset that, that knocks us off track down the road. Right. So I'm, i have never, I'd have never used a brochure in my life. I, and I swear to God, not once. Um, and when I do talk about performance, it's, it's about downside because nobody's ever ringing my phone off the hook because they made 27%. Right. Right. Um, so it's a, I think it's a very um, different approach, but I think it's all towards gearing the conversation towards, being a conversation about them and instilling in them that I'm the one that to hire. If you want me, if you want someone to look out for you and not be throwing stuff at you here and there to, to try and wow you. I think that's, that's the mindset I'm trying to instill in them. And by the way, I've thought this a couple of times now, just like the referral episode where I, I remember I made sure to mention that the the traditional approach of saying, you know write 10 write 10 of your friends name down that i can help and just not talking i'm not saying that doesn't work it does or they wouldn't still be teaching it i just don't like to do it and i think it looks cheesy and it doesn't make my work life fun this is the same thing and i think you're probably on the same wavelength it's not to say that putting the ica mountain chart brochure in front of them won't work to and you can't you can build a great practice full of american funds a shares if you want to and i'm not picking on american funds There are guys out there that are running their meetings with prospects selling, you know, only fixed index annuities or index universal life insurance. And they are, I mean, they have never attended one, but they have to be pitching product and sizzle. I don't know what else you'd talk about. We're not saying you can't build a business doing things that way. You can. We just don't want to. They're not the practices that we envision running and participating in. And I think that's a lot of what the podcast is about. Right is building a practice that's not only successful, um, but that you enjoy doing. Right, we're not. Yeah. We're not. I don't want anyone to take away from this. You must answer these questions this way, or you must run your meetings this way. Um, we're just trying to give a fresh approach to it. Yeah, you can make your own, be successful, and and not hate your life every day. Because I would hate my life if every week I was going to a new restaurant to pay for a new steak dinner. To shove Iul down you know as many people's throat as I could, I wouldn't enjoy that
1: right we're, we're we're trying to you know encourage our listeners to you know that there there are some takeaways here there's there's a lot to learn from other advisors and 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 inspire people to build the practice of their dreams and and I think there's i guess there's a lot of ways to do it there's there's a lot of ways to skin the cat as the old saying goes but but there's a lot of to- takeaways, and, and like I've learned from both Brad, Jim and Jeff along the way of, of how we go about doing things and how you can always improve, continuous improvement, uh, whether that's from education or you know, just kind of uh, tricks of the trade, so to speak. But this I, I am just constantly amazed because because I ask. I ask if, if somebody's working with a current advisor, I will ask them, um, kind of tell me about how that relationship is. Do, do you, what's, what's good about it? What's bad about it? I, am I a jerk? Is there anything wrong with me for, for asking that? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but but I, I'm just, I'm curious. Um, and, and typically, they're not going to be in my office if it's a good relationship. And I, I, there's a reason I'm asking the question is I, I want to you know, get an idea of where their current advisor is falling short. And they might say something like, oh, well, our current advisor is not getting us in and out of the market like he should be. And that tells me right there, this is not a person I want to work with, right? That's a red flag that we would all avoid.
2: At least not as they sit in front of you with the mindset that they currently have. Right. If you want to pursue the relationship, you know, you know the pain point and you know what you have to address behaviorally before you accept them as a client. Right. And Greg, that's it. I know you've heard it. I know you've read it. I know you've heard it. Like it's typical sales, right? Like find the pain point. Yeah. Right? Listen, in your conversational approach just now, you don't have to be tricky about it or 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 read 73 books. Like you just asked them. Why, why are why, you why are you here? The one I use, you're you have a more eloquent way of saying it. The one I use all the time. Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll tell you. You don't need to they- be tricky. Why are you here? They'll yeah. tell you. My advisor didn't move me out of the market. I haven't heard from my advisor in six years. Uh, blah blah. My advisor sold me a whole life policy. I'm paying two thousand dollars a month on. Yes,
1: this has happened to one of my clients. Uh, yeah. I tell you, you don't have to. You don't to be tricky. Just ask him. Have a conversation. Right. Be be a human. Be and yeah. and don't don't have some you know. You know, like a snake oil salesman. Knowing that, okay, before this person ends, you know, (laughs) before this person leaves my office, they're going to be signing these applications and buying this investment product. That's not what it's about. That's not what our business is about. So there's a better way, and it's asking questions like that. What are you hoping to accomplish in our meeting here today? I use that all the time. So, so you're not driving home, and Nancy turns to Bob and say, "Gosh, I, I wish we would have asked that." What? 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 what is, you know, kind of top of mind? What, what are the three things that, that, that are bothering you? Um, that are giving you that, that financial pain and and just let them talk. And sometimes, sometimes they'll say something like, you know, the art of three, there's a lot of studies on that. That's why I ask, what are the three things? Because they might give you like a softball one and two. And then the number three is always going to be, this is really why we're here. Like one might be, oh, we're kind of concerned about the fees we're paying in our 401ks. Number two, well, we don't know, um, you know, when we can really retire. And number three, well, our current advisor, you know, is a no good SOB and he did this, this, and this. That was really why they're here. So,
2: (laughs) And Greg, when you were doing that, just the things you mentioned, like it could be any of those things. And we've probably all heard those things. But guess what? If you start out your prospect meeting, pitching them, whatever it is you think you want to pitch them, they may not even be addressing the pain point. Right. Right. But if you have a conversation and you, and you ask them questions, they'll tell you, and then you can find out
1: what you should focus your conversation on. Yep. And, and asking, asking good follow-up questions too, because sometimes they'll be very, very vague and they'll say like, oh, well, um, you know, I, 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 I kind of want to see where I'm at. Well, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? What, what would, what would help you determine kind of where, where you're at? Well, I'm, I'm looking for a, uh, you know, someone to, to, to tell me whether I'm saving enough, you know, they'll say something. And so you have to kind of have good follow-up questions. And, and the more you, you kind of genuinely show interest about how because again we're getting back to you're qualifying the person you're trying to determine if they're going to be a good fit versus spewing thing everything about yourself out to them trying to impress them hire me because x y and z look at all these credentials look at all this kind of stuff and right. i always not that any anything is wrong with getting all those different credentials and letters behind your name but when i see someone with like eight or ten different credentials i Maybe they, that person doesn't have the confidence, and and they want to be able to wow people with all these different you know credentials or certifications behind their name. I, I never understood that, but right. And
2: you know, in in this this conversational approach, like that stuff's going to come up. Yeah, right. They're going to learn about you and just you talking. The, some of the stuff that you know, a CFP or or any any credentials, right? You probably have them on your wall, right? I mean, they can read. I have yeah. You know, yeah. I, I have my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't need to throw all that stuff at them. It'll come up if you're doing it right. They'll get to know you.
1: <laughs> yeah. They'll it, feel
2: like they know you.
1: Yeah. I mean, Brad, we've even talked about, you know, the, the last go, are you a fiduciary? And, and Brad has it on his wall. He can say, yeah, I'm credit AIF. It's right there. There, there. There's my plaque. Isn't it beautiful? And they'll yeah. say, oh, okay, well, end of discussion. It's like, you've got the plaque. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's.
2: Hey Greg, not to interrupt, but just on that one right there. I would almost guarantee that, at least answer truthfully, when you ask them, like, that's never a pain point that someone is going to list with their old advisor. Never. If they're doing all the other things right, I promise no one is ever going to be in front of you because their other advisor wasn't a fiduciary. Now, they may be in front of you because their other advisor didn't act like a fiduciary. And yeah. sold them you know, underperforming or illiquid or garbage products or never talked to them or didn't, they may be behaviors that they're, that are not fiduciary like that put them there. But I promise someone that's done, you know, if their advisor, it could be a state farm and I'm going to pick state farm just because I don't think that they're a really credible investment shop and probably not any of their agents are listening to me right now. But if it's State <laughs> farm agent, right? Gave them a good portfolio match to their risk tolerance at the right price. Did a financial plan. Kept in touch with them. Yada yada yada. They are most certainly not a fiduciary. I guarantee they would not be in front of you for that reason. That that's a good point. That's and so that's on every what should you ask a financial advisor list. Nobody cares.
1: That, that's true. That's your end. So there's what, my plaque. Move on. Let
2: me find out why you're actually here.
1: Right. Right. What? And, and uh, another question that we haven't talked about um, is again, what are you looking, what are you hoping that a financial advisor and it may or may not be me can help you with at the end of the day? Yeah. Right. And so they might say, you know, somebody who specializes in, you know, um, retirement planning for teachers and is really, um, you know, knowledgeable about how our teacher's pension works and, you know, I, I am, I am not that person. I, I, um, Brad's in a different state than me. And if I had a, a, somebody that says, Hey, I'm in Pennsylvania, I'm looking for a specialist. I would say, Oh, you need to speak with Brad. Cause that's, right. that's, <laughs> that's his jam, not mine. So yeah, it, it's, it's kind of, um, asking the right questions and, and kind of turning it back on, on them, but, 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 and you have to know these ahead of time. You, you kind of have to, have these i guess pre rehearsed in in your head and and if you if you're old school like me you use a notebook i kind of have a list of about 20 questions that i may or may not use given the right situation so and and i'm sure Brad has his his own list um but but it's kind of easy when they're doing all the talking yep then it's kind of just you know just natural at at that point um but uh But yeah, and and like I said, as a result of this first meeting, you know, they'll they'll know whether they're going to work with you or not. Is is what it comes down to. Um, let's, before we wrap up this episode, kind of the way I, how do you, Brad, let's kind of talk about how you wrap up that first meeting. You may have your own, you know, and again, they might ask you, okay, we'll have a good feeling about you, your your uh, your firm, the service you offer. Uh, based on the conversation, they, they may say those magic words. And, and if you have a good feeling about them that they make a good client, they might say, okay, Brad, this has been a very, very helpful meeting. We've learned a lot um, we've shared a lot. What are the next steps?
2: Yeah. So, and we're missing, I'm missing a lot of steps to, you know, from the first question to wrapping up the meeting. So right. I think, and maybe we'll get into it another time. Uh, I, I pretty much, I really wrap up, I run my meetings and I wrap up my meetings, assuming that I want them as a client. And that it's a doable situation that I want to deal with. I run the whole damn thing is under these with the presumptive close that I just act like we're working together. Once I've decided it works, it's the client I want. I mean, I just schedule the next work session and tell them what to bring and let them know what we're going to do and get out my calendar. Now there there's go. obviously some stuff to set that type of close up, how you run the meeting and how you talk and whatnot. But but really, I I flip the whole thing. Much like a the intro question and kind of flipping it on them and saying, I don't know, if we should work together. i flipped the close on them too. It is closed in my mind. You sell me now if you want. If if you don't want to work together, you tell me. I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to tell me now.
1: Yeah, and if and and of course, if if they're not having the oh, we need more time, or we're we're interviewing other people, maybe they'll delay. You know, booking that that next meeting with you, I'm sure that very ha- that happens. You know, um, very, very, self- very very rarely. Written. Yeah, yeah. But and uh, then
2: it does. By the way, you, and you, I know most of us probably know this. When you get a, can we think about it, or we'll get back to you? I mean, you're probably not getting that business, right? You know, that's not a good answer. And so, what I do if if that does happen. And I stole this from someone. At least the idea of it. I will route, reel the conversation back and ask them. Let's get more. Sp- I'll even throw it out there and say, you know, well, what is it? Um, let's talk about now to make sure that you have all of the information to make a decision. Uh, what What are you guys gonna going to revisit to see if I, you know, I missed something? If they misunderstood something, and if I can't get it, I, I I'll throw it out sometimes and say, hey, you know, if this is just not a, if you just don't think it's a good fit. I do, uh, but if you don't, you, you just tell me. You can just tell me now. It's not going to hurt my feelings at all. It'll save us all a lot of you know emotional energy and time, and a lot. And most of the times, I mean, that still doesn't shake them loose. Uh, they'll be like, "Oh no, 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 no! It's not that. Uh, we just want to. We just want to think about it or whatever." What I do from there is say, terrific, to find out whether that – because that is sometimes the case. Sometimes they're like, well, I picked the dinner last night without consulting Karen, and I got in a lot of trouble without asking talking about it. I don't want to get in trouble again. That happens, certainly. So the way to shake those people out, I I use to say, terrific, when should we follow up to make a decision or, or to figure out something along those lines? And they'll say, oh, you, you, usually, you know, after the weekend or next week or whatever, I'll be like, all right, terrific. I'm going to schedule a call or preferably schedule for them to come back in to talk about it, to not leave it open-ended, to be like, oh, we'll, we'll call you or we'll be in touch. That's a blow-off bullshit answer, right? Right. We're going to talk next Thursday, 1 p.m. and decide, right? And push it forward. So I know we're supposed to be wrapping up and I went off on of the tangent, so I'm sorry.
1: No, that's that's good baby, because <laughs> I, I think of I think back, you know, especially early on in this business, that skill, what you just did there of, of, of how you handle that situation, I was not good at. If they'd say, Oh, call us in a couple weeks. Yeah, then I call them in a couple weeks, leave them a voicemail, you know, that kind of thing. Uh yeah. and and I never hear from a from them again. They may call me six months later and maybe I find out, you know, that wasn't the right time. So right. so being able to I guess be well versed in in how you're going to handle that situation whenever it does present itself. Yep. You need to be astute and and be uh, be be very uh, skilled at that. And,
2: and you know, I think Jim would have awesome insight to this. But but really, for anyone listening to be like the mindset of almost like I must get this person, you need to divorce yourself from that mindset because if the person, no matter what reason, some people are just not going to do it. Right? Some people are truly. They, some people may come to a prospect meeting and literally just lie their way through the meeting to get a second opinion or to get some free information. There are absolutely going to be times where there is a zero percent chance that you are getting them as a client. Yeah. Right. You just need to accept. It should be motivating. Like in the if you're cold calling, when they're like, "I know I need to get 97 no's to a yes," and they look at it as like, "Cool, there's another no. I'm only 43 away from a yes." need to look at it the same way, even though you won't get everyone, getting them the hell off of your calendar, out of your funnel, and freeing up your time is going to pay, be more rewarding, and have more ROI to you moving forward than chasing that one person around who decided in the first 10 minutes or before they even got there, they're not doing business with you. Stop it. Just let it go and find someone who does.
1: Yep. And be able to do that. and and keep filling that prospect funnel, right? And take that person out. I, I actually, you know, have a notebook of all my prospects and and I cross them out on the list and I focus, I want to add two more people for every person that I cross off. The other thing is, is when somebody becomes a client, you just lost your best prospect. So you got to replace that person, right? That's a good way to look at it. it. It is. It is. So, um, Hope this episode of our podcast has been helpful. Um, find us on our Facebook group, the Financial Advisors Edge podcast community. We've got over 150 other members and growing. We probably add, I don't know, a dozen a week, it sounds like, Brad. It, it seems like. Yeah. Um, so uh, so check us out there. Website is thefaedge.com. We'll see you next week. And uh, yeah, keep, keep uh, listening to future episodes. We just keep getting better and better.